0: Ladies and gentlemen, ministry leaders of all ages, welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett,
1: and I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry with Saint Chris's insane introduction. Oh,
0: you did the greatest showman at the benefit dinner. I may as well uh, be able right. to do a big top. <laughs> We've both worked in ministry for over twenty years and have seen just about everything.
1: And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has.
0: Why do you smile so big when you say as damaged as we are? As
1: damaged as we are. <laughs>
0: you need to show a little bit of vulnerability, it, buddy. It,
1: it sounds so sad. I, I want to cheer people up when they see the video. And maybe if I smile while I say it, it doesn't sound so sad.
0: So there's this, this strange reality in ministry when you've been in ministry, I think really more than five years. And you talked oh, yeah. about this in your whole Conversion story in regards to being dynamic and set on fire in your ministry uh, life, but uh, you start looking back on that lonely road, and you see all the people who are no longer with you that once were. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's 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 jarring at times because some of those people aren't even Catholic anymore. Yeah, right. They've served yep. the church, and um, and the church has not served them well in that experience, and now they're gone. Yeah, right.
1: Well, and it's like it's across all spectrums because, like, even like in youth ministry, we see youth ministers who have left. We see other people in other areas of ministry that that have left, deacons, you know, priests, you know, stuff like this. And you're like, "What's going on?" You know, and and what makes us different?
0: Well, yeah, I I, I was going to mention the priest thing. Like, it's it's shocking. Yeah, when that happens. And
1: so, those of us who are still in ministry, like even
0: five years later
1: you know but 10 15 20 years later still in the, maybe the same field of ministry that we started in or in some form of ministry what makes us different like why are we still here and and why why did the other guys not make it or why did the other people not make it um, and there's probably a better way to say that like than say didn't make it cuz it's not a judgment like there's a lot of pain that causes that to happen um, and it's not their fault you know very often sometimes they, like they're genuinely called out of where they were and they were generally called out to something else. And that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, those who like in a way should still be in ministry. Um, but because of whatever reason, they um, it, they're not there anymore.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I'd actually like to reframe it a little bit. Instead of looking at those who are no longer here, let's look around at the people who still are mm. and what are some of the the attributes that they have, some of the practices that they've embraced that uh has allowed them to stay in ministry for a long period of time you know i can't do it like I, like everybody
1: else that's listening to this podcast heard attributes um and i don't know what word that is um attributes would be the correct pronunciation of that word <laughs> I, I, sorry I, I had to <laughs> i can't like,
0: breathe over here i'm trying not to laugh into the microphone <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay sorry I, no like, thank you thank i, I you guarantee
1: like everybody listening was like a- attributes like i'm a tribute
0: <laughs> what <laughs> hunger games yeah 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 um what are some of the characteristics of those let's let's pull out the thesaurus did i say that word right i think so okay thank you matt um yeah but okay so let's start right there i think there is a sense of humor that exists yeah. Yeah. In, uh, in all of them. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, I've, I've even seen it come across where there's like a sarcastic sense of humor, which is, I think, dangerous because it can damage other people. But sometimes to be able to just let things hit you and then roll off a little bit, yeah. um, because ministry is hard. Like, let, let, let's just make that clear right out of the gates. Ministry is hard. And those that are here over a long period of time have learned how to weather the difficult times of ministry. And um, and those that are no longer here, it's not that they failed to learn, but maybe maybe they're the ones that are the smart ones that are like, I am not going to keep getting <laughs> stepped on. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to get out of the way, you know. So um, yeah. maybe it's just the crazy ones that are left. But here <laughs> we are.
1: <laughs> yeah. And some would argue that like even like you were talking about sense of humor, uh, my sense of humor poking at you about attributes um, would it would be an inappropriate like way to joke with someone and could tear someone down rather than build them up. Um, but luckily we have a good enough relationship that, you know, that I'm not like ripping on you and telling you that you're an awful human being.
0: <laughs> yes, Matt. Thank you for belittling, be, belittling our relationship to luck. How about, but intentionally we have a good enough relationship, which That's I think true. is actually the next, the next factor that we wanted to showcase is that we, uh, are those, let's say those that have been in ministry for the long view, yep. um, are very intentional about building people around them that are going to support them during the highs and most importantly, during the lows of ministry.
1: Yeah. Like I know that like, not only do I know that I'm, well, I know I'm going to have hard times. How do I know I'm going to have hard times in the future? Because I've had hard times in the past. Like, and that's, it's not going to change. Like I'm going to go through rough patches. And every time I look back at my past and and I see some of the roughest patches, it was when I was alone, When, when I didn't have anybody to talk to, when I didn't have anybody to share with or, to help me just you know, like walk alongside through the mess. And so like in the future, if I want to weather those storms better, I need to do, I need to do it differently, you know, and I've got to do it with the community. I've got to do it with people. I've got to do it with brothers like you, you know, or and sisters like to share things with. Um, and yeah, and it can't, it's gotta be a mix. And we, we've, we we've talked about this before is having peers, you know, mentors and mentees and all that stuff. But um, build your your community. Um, that's the one of the best ways to make it through some of this stuff because having other people that have been in the mess and gone through the mess with you um, is one of the most surefire ways to actually get out of it.
0: And here's here's one cool way to be able to make sure that that community exists is to examine if you can have what I would call healthy conflict or healthy disagreements. And so Matt, you and I over the last probably three weeks or so at national team meeting or even at the end of staff prayer or whatever <laughs> have, have had some healthy tension. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like I was, oh, I, Matt's my boss and he's just mean and blah, 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 blah. It was this one this thing that we are aligned in regards to vision. Yep. And if we have different points of execution, we can argue or have healthy conflict over it um, in, in a variety of ways, but we know that we're still aligned on a bigger picture. And yep. so have you had – a disagreement with someone that actually was like life-giving because you were like, okay, I can disagree with Matt on this, and Matt and I can still journey towards Jesus together and lead others towards Jesus together without it really causing us to miss a beat. I mean, it wasn't fun. Having conflict is never fun. Um, sure. But I think that that was an example of where like our relationship and our alignment towards that deeper vision is greater than the disagreements that might cause division. Or God forbid, if we didn't think it was greater than that, then we might not have those disagreements, which means we might not be living towards a dynamic mission or vision together. And that also leads people to die on the vine because they just stop getting watered, you know?
1: Yeah. So what are other reasons why people are still in ministry now? Um, I think, you know, one of the things, and we've talked about this in the past, is um, having... like. Like a, I don't want to say a compelling vision or maybe a compelling why, like why do you do what you do you know if if you do what you do strictly to provide for your family, um that's probably not sufficient to keep you in ministry um because you can provide for your family in in much better ways. <laughs> this is and, not gonna
0: and I think it's fair to clarify that we're I guess we're talking about professional ministry leadership sure. right yeah, now. yeah 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 yeah, yeah yeah it's 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 there has to be a deeper why, but just as a tangent, because this is something I wanted to share. I think those that have been in ministry for the long haul for, you know, more than 10 years, they're also good with money
1: uh, yeah, <laughs>
0: because because you have to be you have less and that's OK. Like we signed up for a, a job or a position that's different than corporate America. But of all the perks, including the heavenly treasures that we're storing up, um, some of the compensation does not match dollar for dollar to corporate Americans. so you have to be good with your money in order to stay in it for the long haul.
1: Which also, like, again, maintaining that why and maintaining that vision, you know, is um, like, why did I get into this? Like, why am I doing this? My family has less than that family. You know looking at the world around us you know like i don't get to do x y or z with my kids or whatever because of
0: financial reasons um what my favorite is when these teenagers in the youth program show up on their 16th birthday or a week or two after with cars that are nicer than the one I've been driving for the last seven years. Hey, hold on.
1: Just so everybody knows, 90% of America drives a better car than, than Chris does.
0: Not, un- <laughs> not unfair, not unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that 90% of 16-year-olds should drive. You should get your kid a beater card to where if it got in a wreck, the kid would be safe, but you'd be like, meh. Like it's no big exactly. deal. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen <laughs> all I've the seen little things. Yep. I've seen Not kids about bump it. cars that are way more expensive. I'm like, that dent is worth more than my car. Like, what have you done? <laughs> Anyways.
1: So, but yeah, like maintaining that focus and remembering why I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm sacrificing, you know, a lot to be able to do this um, because regardless of who you are in ministry, there's, there is no doubt that you could make more in the, like, uh, like whatever you call it secular world? I said corporate America, Mm -hmm. but yeah, secular
0: world. Yeah. But that long view, that why, that deeper why, I think also helps as the individual, not in regards to community, not in regards to the way society sees you or the way the parish sees you. But I've had years in ministry that were rocky. Mm. Like the fruit of ministry was not, it was not harvest. (laughs) It was not harvest. It was planting yeah. season. Yep. And a lot of planting seasons is breaking hard soil in order to get to where you can plant the seeds. Well, it's and tilling tiling, season. Yeah. yeah. Tilling is not fun. It's no. not. And some tilling seasons last 18 months, 24 months, 36 months. But when you have that deeper, why? Have you ever
1: held a tiller like on really hard ground? It's the like, have you ever done it? It like tries to run away from you. It's so hard.
0: That's hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. Well, okay. So yes, I've, I've done like a motorized tiller just to answer yeah. your question. I've never done like a, an old school tiller that they, they would put to an ox or, or something no, like that.
1: No, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the motorized tiller and you hit some really hard ground and it's like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And it literally is eating the ground and eating your hands and shaking your arms and all that. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult. Um, but to be able to say like over this, hill, like beyond this difficult time, I know that there's going to be a new cycle to where some of these are going to take root. And then there's going to be fruit from those things that spring up from the ground there. And uh, that long view, that bigger why can really carry you through some of the difficult times. And I say this knowing that for me, I left my parish position to come work over at Ablaze full time, like in the middle of COVID, Yeah, And it literally tore me up. Like I I was just, I was so in two places and my heart still hurts about leaving during that time because that was rocky soil, you guys, as you are all well aware, that was rocky soil. But the calling on God that God put on my heart was so much greater that this is where I need to go for the next step of the ministry that he's calling me to. And so again, that, that connects with the deeper why, like you were Mm -hmm. called people that stay in for a long time, go back to that calling and reflect on that calling,
1: yeah, but I, and I don't want to like gloss over the financial side of things either, because those who stay in ministry, not only are they good with money, but they have found a way to actually provide for their family within like the the church side of things. Does that make sense? you're smiling like smirking
0: yeah, almost every ministry leader I know has a side hustle,
1: yeah, like they all have another job or a side job, or they've gotten i don't want to say lucky enough to get one of the very few like positions where you can actually um raise a family on and have a, a stay-at-home spouse like those those are so few and far between um that it's that's actually kind of sad and that may be one of the biggest reasons why we lose people
0: and 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 the, the thing that breaks my heart there is those are reserved almost almost exclusively for suburban predominantly white parishes yeah um and that that i think is a disservice when The the most highly educated um, ministry leaders and maybe some of the best ministry leaders are not serving where ministry or where mission is uh, the most crucial or most intense. And I'm not dismissing there is a need for Jesus everywhere. Um, But I think that it does become problematic when um, resource allocation is the main driving factor. But at the same time, (laughs) people got to eat. And I know plenty of people who are no longer in ministry because they were the main provider for their family and their family grew. They had a child or a second child and now they had to take a secular job.
1: Yep. They still love
0: ministry. They still want to be a part of ministry, and and now they volunteer one night a week, and that's the best that they can do. Um, but their heart yep. still hungers for that. And so I wish, I wish our church would just come alive, and that stewardship looked more like ten percent instead of two percent that yep. the average Catholic gives. Because imagine the people that could stay and be retained.
1: Well, and and, and like have, and running ablaze, like I always have to wrestle with. Like, what position do I hire as full-time first? What position do I hire as full-time second? What's my next full-time hire? You know, And how much do I pay to these positions? It's, it's really hard. And I can't imagine what it's like on a parish level. But as we were talking, I was thinking, like reflecting a little bit on our nation, you know, we always, we say we value education, but we pay teachers very poorly. So we actually don't value education because if you put your money where your mouth is, our money's not there. Um, and then the same thing in our parishes, like, like who is the highest paid person at the parish? Is it, I mean, it's not, not the priest because <laughs> he gets a stipend, right? Like from the diocese, so like very little. Um, and the next, like, where does the ministers, where do the ministers fall on that rung? You know, are they the lowest paid people at the parish? You know, and if that's true, then like, what are we valuing? you know as a parish like where are are we putting our money where our mouth is can we will we pay the director of evangelization like cuz I'm going to use a different term or whatever can we pay that person more than we pay our business administrator because we value the ministry that's done by that person more than we value how well the business is run
0: and would would people be okay let's say that director of evangelization is hiring someone, whether it be a director of faith formation or a coordinator of youth ministry, would they be willing to hire someone and pay them more than they make? Because oftentimes I see that in regards to, well, our pay structure is problematic because the director who may have been there for the last 25 years and doesn't have a degree in theology, but has been in that chair for so long. And so it's okay that they're making, you know, uh, mid forties or, or, or low fifties or something like that. And then someone that comes in with a master's degree and they're like, well, we've got to pay you in the high thirties because we can't get you in the same level as that person. Cause they're above you. It's like, well, maybe just maybe it looks different now. Yeah. And, and we hire according to, to the needs. And it, yeah. So this is another conversation, another podcast. Yeah, we got yeah, move past this point. Yep. We've got to move yep. past this point. We've got to move past this point. So. That's
1: a bit, that's one of the big reasons why people don't stay in ministry Um and it plays into burnout. It does.
0: And so with the people that do stay in ministry choose to stay in ministry. I think that's the bigger point. And they choose in a number of different areas. But that choice is at the expense of other choices. Like a yes, yes here is a no in so many other ways. A yes here might be a no to my kids playing competitive sports. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, because I, I, I couldn't afford that, right? Or, or yeah. this person couldn't afford it. And so it's so, a, yeah. it's a community, sacrifice.
1: Community is one we said. What we just talked about was choice and opportunity because you were talking about like parishes that actually pay more. Right. Um, and so choice and opportunity. Um, what was the first one we said?
0: The vision, like the why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The we're why. Deeply connected to the why.
1: Yep, yeah. Yep. What's the next one you got, Chris?
0: Well, I'm I'm hoping you'll share the next one, man. <laughs>
1: Look at the list. Um, you, you actually shared a list with me? Yes. It's on Heart Camp. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is messing with me. I love it, Chris. One of the reasons why I think that we tend to stay in ministry is I, like forgiveness, like cause we're going to get hurt. We're going to get wounded in ministry, whether it's by the people we serve, by those we serve alongside or our bosses, um, we're going to get hurt. And we talked about this on the podcast recently, like even like with regards to my baggage, <laughs> like we yeah. talked about baggage, you know, and it's like, if forgiveness, um, and healing don't exist, it's going to be a whole lot harder for me to stay in ministry. Um, and, and if you still hold on to that, like anger and resentment, you're not going to be able to be the the minister that God's called you to be.
0: And so I want to make a distinction here because oftentimes we're like, they're thick skinned. They stay in Mm. ministry a long time because they're thick skinned. I don't think those, uh, that that is an ass attribute attributes. That's a characteristic.
1: (laughs) I think you just cussed. (laughs)
0: I was going to say asset. (laughs) I can't even. I can't podcast. Taylor, help me. Just go beep. Nope. All that's Um, staying in. All that's staying in. um, An attribute and asset. I don't think that that's an asset. I don't think that that serves the ministry leader well long term to have thick skin. Yeah. uh, Because it leads to kind of that Lone Ranger mentality, which isolates you from community and community is so vital for longevity. So that being said, I want us to contrast those two. Thick skinned and uh, forgiveness. Right? Thick skinned people can be very bitter. They can hold on to things. It just doesn't penetrate them as much in regards to hurting them or wounding them or whatever, um, allegedly. Right? But that idea idea to forgive someone, even if they don't uh, forgive you or that they don't even apologize, to say, that situation was wrong. I'm not even going to have this conversation in my prayer time, Lord. I forgive this person for this. And then you're free from that. And you're also an act of charity towards someone else because we have to love. (laughs) Like at the end of the day, we have to love other people. And if we can love the lost and the lonely, then we can love the people to our left and to our right at staff meetings, even though that might be harder than loving the lost and the lonely.
1: Yep. You know, and and, and I know that there are many people who will like, who have made a vow to never do ministry again, you know, to never volunteer again because of the experience they had. Um, and, and if, if you're listening and this is you, I would rebuke that. And, and I would, I would like talk to Jesus, talk to God about like how to heal that. Like, what is it that you need to do? Or like, who is it you need to forgive? Because that's, um, yeah, that's brokenness and that's not where God wants you to be. Um, he wants to heal that. He wants to enter into that and he wants you back serving his church.
0: Yeah. Um, with that being said, I think there are some people that have had PTSD type of experiences with ministry leadership, um, and I, I would say the pathway to healing is more important than the pathway back to ministry.
1: Yeah, I didn't mean back at volunteering, but yeah, back, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. So finances is way easier to talk about than what we just talked about. That yeah, is forgiveness <laughs> and healing. Um, that's true. The, the other piece is that they are people of prayer. Yep. And uh, and I'm not saying that those who have left aren't people of prayer, but those who stay have to be people of prayer. Um and There's that's no that's options. so important. <laughs> there there is no option. And and we we lose track of that sometimes to where things get really busy and you start justifying, well, my my prepping for the Bible study counts as my spiritual reading for the day and All these different things. And then all of a sudden you hit a wall and you're like, oh, I need a personal retreat. And then you run off and you come back and talk about how quiet everything was at this retreat. (laughs) No, but when things get overwhelming, we have to find solace in the Lord. That's the first place that we go. And so to be people of prayer, and it's really, it's twofold. One, as individuals, right, being a person of prayer is just vital for personal sustenance. (laughs) I can't even this hold this whole podcast. I'm going to mess up words. To be personally sustained. I've
1: rattled you. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> Will you forgive me?
0: I do forgive you, yes. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Um, and so to be, be a person of prayer. But the second is that's where we draw the vision, like the deeper vision. And I want to let you know that being a ministry leader is one of the most exciting jobs that you can ever have. It is amazing to be a ministry leader, especially when you're leaning on the Holy Spirit and things change and you're like, Holy Spirit, let's do this. It's a lot of fun, and to draw that vision from the Holy Spirit invigorates you, even in the midst of the fact that you're going to have parents that get angry at you or maybe uh, participants that it doesn't click with, but there are going to be others that are going to be set on fire, and that is a powerful thing. But we don't connect to that vision of what God wants for the people that we serve unless we're on our knees and we are people of prayer first. And so first, be a person of prayer for your own growth. Second, be a person of prayer for the ministry's growth.
1: What about conviction? Is that like, is that kind of back, go back to the why? Like, because being convicted, like, and, and bold and courageous, um, are, are necessary just in, on, in the long haul because, like, doing the same old thing and, like, that whole, you know, wash, rinse, repeat stuff, um, maintenance mode is not a recipe for long term ministry, um, for multiple reasons, you know, but, um, Like, I don't know, like maybe if you get into that cycle of wash, rinse, repeat, it gets easier. And so maybe then you're like, it's easier for you to stay because I've, I've seen a lot of people who stay in ministry for a long time and and just aren't moving the needle. They're just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, and not, and they're, they're in maintenance mode, you know, and maybe they are still in ministry, but maybe that doesn't count.
0: (laughs) Right. So there, there's a difference. There's a difference in conviction to say ministry is good or God is good or um, sharing the faith is good. And then one that the ones that are a little bit more compelling to be like, I believe that every teenager matters or that mm-hmm. every soul um, it should be serving the Lord in some way. And those compelling convictions are so vital to be able to hold on to, but also to be able to articulate. And so having a compelling conviction builds followers around you that are in line with that conviction as well. And so to have a conviction, it means that you're able to draw other people into that same vision, that same mission. And again, this goes back to community. You build a community of people who are on mission with you. And that's a beautiful thing.
1: And and that's true. Like the conviction I'm thinking of is maybe even like the conviction that will cause you to take risks. You know, um, and maybe it's conviction and trust, you know, because sometimes we're tasked with things as ministry leaders that are not popular. That if we were to actually propose them to our pastor or start putting them into place or whatever, we might actually get fired, you know, um, or might be asked to leave or whatever. But do we have the conviction and the trust to do it anyway or to, to find a way to get it done?
0: This is that holy unrest that you keep talking about. How it started ablaze. Yeah. Yeah, You you, you got convicted. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um like the ministry leaders that are at this point that have been in ministry for yeah, a long time, find a way to do it. Like, and that's the conviction, that's the trust. It's like God has called me to this. Like they have this like yeah, just this holy trust in God that this is exactly where God has me and He and He wants me to do this for for life. In one way or another, I'm going to be impacting this field of ministry, and I trust that he's going to continue to place me there. He's going to provide for me in whatever way that means, um, and I'm going to take risks to follow him. You know, those are the ministry leaders I see that are still in it. You know,
0: I want to acknowledge just one category of the seat warmers. Because I hear what you're saying, but I don't want us to see every person who's been in ministry for 15 to 20 years as like, oh, that person is filled with conviction and takes great risk. Because some people are just under leadership that's like, I don't want to rock the boat. So you just keep doing what you're doing. And someone can just lather, rinse, repeat. That's how you wash your hair. It's not wash, rinse, repeat, just to clarify. They can lather, <laughs> rinse, repeat over and over and over again, year after year after year. And communities accept that. They're like, okay, we had vacation Bible school the same as last year as it was this year and the next year, and that's fine. There's just a rhythm uh, of kind of, of ministry, a rhythm of the mundane that is acceptable. Yep. And so some people are just seat warmers and they're very comfortable there too. So not everyone who's been in it in a long time for a long time is necessarily that dynamic ministry leader who's willing to take risks, but those who are in it and still love it, right? Some yeah. people are just counting down the days until they hit whatever their retirement goal is, 62 and a half or 65 or whatever it is. And they, yeah. they're just keeping the seat warm. And I just want to make the clarification. That way we're not confusing. And they're like, oh, you've been in ministry for 25 years. What have you done? The exact same thing every year. And it's like, that is not it. Like, we need to take risks. And so yeah. there's a boldness. I think the word that I would say is that they have the attribute of being bold, as yep. well,
1: Yeah. All right, guys. So what I want to hear is like, like, hopefully we can get this through their podcast or comments on this video on YouTube is like, like, what have you seen? Like, what are attributes that you've seen in people who have been, been in ministry for a long time and are still killing it? Um, and And again, that's the difference, you know, is not the seat warmers, the ones who have been in ministry for a long time and are still killing it. What are they doing? What have they done differently? What do you see differently about them in their lives? Because we want to be able to to learn what that is and share that with other ministry leaders because Amen. we want more people to keep killing it for as long as they can. Yes.
0: Like Saul to Paul. He was killing it literally, <laughs> and then he was killing it figuratively. So
1: oh my gosh
0: well no but think about it like i see something in a ministry leader that there's maybe been in it uh, longer than you and then you're like i wish i could emulate that or i wish I had that that gift as well. What do we want to multiply in the leadership, in the ministry leaders we see? So, you guys, we want to hear from you. Another great way to do that is to join our Facebook group online. Um, it is uh, MLA. Just search Ministry Leaders Anonymous. It's a closed group, and we have some great discussions there. Um, other than that, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today, and let's continue that conversation.
1: Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at Ablaze.us and share this podcast
0: with someone. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, we go together. Yes. So take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders. Those who are just in their first month or their first year. Oh, those first year people that started out in COVID. Pray Mm. for them. But also to pray for those who've been going 10, 15 years, that they might continue to be able to be invigorated uh, by the different gifts that they've been given from God.
1: We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless.